Hello and welcome to Upstage the Podcast, your weekly dose of theatre news and reviews. I'm Rachel. And I'm Abby. This week we have only one piece of theatre news, we have a couple of theatre reviews, and then we're doing a deep dive into Sweeney Todd. So our only piece of news this week is that Strictly Ballroom is closing in the West End on October 27th, which I think is a bit of a shame. We've talked about it when we reviewed it. We really enjoyed this show. I think it's a really fun night out. It's not super flashy or I mean, super it's polished. it's not life-changing, is it? No, but it is good fun. Um, so I think it deserved a bit longer than seven months. It's a very talented cast. Yeah, but, you know, you still got a couple of months to see it if you want to, and it is... Very enjoyable. I think you should go and see it if you like fun. It's very... <laughs> if you like fun. If you like Those fun. Those people out there right now are like, oh, no, uh, fun, that not is not for me. For me. No, no but I mean, if you like... So I class it in sort of like the same vein as like Legally Blonde, which like to me is like... I, I mean, I think Legally Blonde is a really good show, but like I get that it's not like... Do you know what I mean? Like, critically acclaimed, yeah, like, yeah. Pulitzer Prize winning or whatever. Like, how a lot of my favourite films, most people be like, that shit. And yeah, I'm like, but I'm I like, no, actually, but it's But I'm having a great time. Yeah, it's that kind it's of It's doing what it does very well. Yes. It's, if you want just, like, a campy night out at the theatre with a lot of glitter and a lot of good tunes and lots of good dancing and ZZ Stralin, then... And Johnny Labby's arms. And Johnny Labby's arms. And Matt Cardle at the moment. I have talked to at length about how much I enjoy and I'm Matt sure Cardle he in the is theater. just fine in this role. He is he was so good in Memphis and this is a less difficult role than Memphis to pull off. Yeah, I think. I'm sure. He had to do a lot more in Memphis and the score was a lot harder in Memphis and he did very very well. So I think do you know what? I might go. I might go because I'd quite like to hear him sing time after time. I'd quite like to see that number again. Oh, really? So you might not even have to pay. I don't even have to pay. It's even better. And I did a little YouTube. Oh, that's nice. That is the only news that we have this week. Nothing else really seems to be happening. We had like a quite a bumper week last week, I suppose. Yeah. So just been a quiet week. Very quiet week. Okay, so we've got two reviews this week, both for shows that have actually closed because, you know, we don't stick to those rules of reviewing shows that people can actually go see. <laughs> we just think you want to know what we think, whether you can see it or not. If there's one thing we're not, it's ahead of the curve. That is definitely true. Mm-hmm. So the first show is Knights of the Rose, which I went to see. And Rachel, um, for some reason, turned down the invitation. I um, couldn't fathom the idea of... I get a secondhand embarrassment at the best of times. Like, even with shows that I know are fantastic, I'm sometimes like... Mm, when, like, like, somebody misses a word or, like, misses a note. And so I find it hard to put myself in positions where I know those things are going to happen. I will say, I don't think anyone... Mr. Note or a word. Oh, I that's think nice. It was very well performed. The yeah. cast, there were some incredible voices in that cast. There were some really, really good performers. Mm-hmm. The plot, I'll, I'll, I'll give a brief plot summary. Please do. There are some knights. Right, yeah. There is a king and a queen and a prince and a princess. One of the, the knights is the prince. Two of them fall in love with a princess. A little love triangle. A little love triangle. Everyone's in love, but there's a war. Everyone's fighting. That's the plot. Very, very kind of basic fairy tale. Mm. But you can, you know, there is no confusion about what's going on. And there is a very strong plot. So I feel like I was comparing, the whole time I was comparing it to Battle of Hell, because it is kind of big power bad. It has a meatloaf. It is so much a jukebox musical that I could not tell you the connection between the songs. It is genuinely like someone took my iPod, put it on shuffle, and thought, whatever the top ten songs are, we'll write a musical. Like, no fucking connection. There was a moment when 
an intro. I can't even remember what song it was. But there was such a loud laugh from the audience when the intro to a song started because everyone was like, they're not, they're not fucking doing, they're doing this. They're doing... Enrique Iglesias. Hero. Hero. Nice. Is in that show. Incredible. Bonnie Tyler. Yeah. Total Clips of the Heart. Yeah. Is in that show. I Need a Hero is in that show. But when you think about it, like the score to Moulin Rouge, the musical. Yes, you know what? You, and you could be talking about Moulin Rouge. You, you know, know what, what I mean? They've right. got Rolling in the Deep in there now. Like that, that. You make an you make an excellent comparison. That in itself shouldn't you know they should be able to not it should be able to hinge together around. I think what saved it for me is now the reason I went to see this is because when it first came out, my friend and I were like, I I don't know what this show is about. This looks ridiculous. And then the reviews came out, and I didn't see anyone give it more than one star. And I was like, this is terrible. We have to see what it is. So we got some very cheap tickets, went along, had a glass of wine, and had a great night out. Like it was really fun mm. but it did not feel like anyone in the creative team or on that stage which it was kind of like a musical pantomime and i don't know if they sort meant it like to be good Spamilton. yeah mm. now whether that's what they intended or not i'm not 100 sure because there were some like emotional moments but then sometimes in comedies emotional moments work really well if they kind of What's nice about it is that if they was like sort of okay, we like we all know this is not good, but let's make it so bad that it's good. Yeah. Then it's fine. Then it works. Then it works. But the problem that you have is when like it's awful, but like the the cast like really believe in like the power of the message and See, like I, I, are so <laughs> earnest about it. And it's like this is terrible. Yeah, I feel like I I really hope that the cast thought it was a bit of fun. Yes, because it was it was fun. And some of them were amazing performers. And the songs generally worked quite well and were arranged quite decently. I mean, if they're good songs performed by good people, then, you know, that's a fun It was out. good fun. I would maybe give it two stars, maybe, if I was that's feeling generous. generous. That is generous. Um, you know what? It's closed now. If it was intended to be a not-so-serious night out, then it, it did that. If it was That's meant to be a serious to bit of theatre, it was not that. You know, there are worse things. Did you enjoy it more than you enjoyed Evita? I definitely enjoyed it more than I enjoyed well, Evita. It go. has a stronger plot than Battle of Hell <laughs> and um, better staging than Bender Like Beckham. So. But it's a win win. You know, it's there you up go. there. We also recently saw Bring It On the Musical at the Southwark Playhouse. This is a British Theatre Academy production of Bring It On. Also, I didn't realise before we went in that Bring It On the musical is not the story from the film. It is inspired by the film, but it is a new story. Just like all the great other Bring It On films. Yes, exactly. It was very similar to Bring It On, I want to say All or Nothing. It's All or Nothing with Hayden Metier. With Hayden Metier and yeah. Solange Knowles. Solange. Yes. A masterpiece of cinema. Yes, absolutely. So it's basically surrounds a cheerleader who is forced to move schools in her senior year and she struggles to fit in and then she sets up well, she con- convinces the dance crew at the new school to form a cheerleading squad. And then they attempt to go to nationals to beat her old school. So the music is by Tom Kitt, who worked on Next to Normal, among other things. I like Tom Kitt a lot. And also by Lin Manuel Miranda. And you can really feel the like his influence on it. Like a lot of the lyrics were very very Lynn. Yeah, and the rhythms yeah. and the kind of instrumentalization. Yes. Obviously, as it was a Theatre Academy production, the cast were all extremely young, and I don't know if any of them had previous professional experience. Yeah, I'm not sure. They're... It doesn't list it in the programme if yeah. they do, so considering they were all 
brand new basically one of the leads was we i assumed she was probably about 20 maybe she turned 16 four days before we saw the show a literal a literal child she was incredible she She was was younger than the character she was playing yes which is two years younger than the character she's playing mental She was very good. The, so, the can cast, we say her name? Because Isabella Papa. Isabella Papa. Yeah. She was great. Big fan. Huge fan. I think she's... We were saying that I think in 10 years' time, we'll look back at our programmes for the show and recognise a lot of the names. In 10 years' time, she'll be the age I am right now. <laughs> Isn't that horrific? <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, is. God. We should also single out Robin McIntyre, who, was... who played... Campbell, the yes. lead, because she really carried the show. She was hilarious. She was so good, was, and her vocals. Yeah, her just, vocals were so sweet. She so yeah. pure. And she just her comic timing was so funny, and her stage presence just was for someone so young. So I think she. We tried to kind of guess, but we think that she's just graduated from Erdang, so maybe is about twenty one. Mm. The way she commanded the stage, kind of at all times, from the like the very first. Moment. Yeah, there's quite a few moments where it's very much her on stage, and even if there's a lot going on around her, mm. it's kind of she has to be the focus, and she always was. Yeah. I also thought Christine Cruz was lovely, Ashley Daniels was very good, yeah. and also Haroon Al Jadal, who played the lead's sort of new love interest mm. and who I think would just slot right into Hamilton as, yeah, he was, yeah, he as was, Lawrence. He was Give him a, a, few young, years. a young Cleve September. Very, and, yeah. Blooming in front of our eyes. Oh, he was really, really good. They were all excellent. And I think the show is also just really good fun. I vaguely knew the music, but kind of, I'd never really done like a deep dive into Bring It On. Even aside from that, the script is just really funny. And it really has that feel of a Bring It On film, where it's just like good fun, always that kind of, you know, you're waiting for the deeper, meaningful, like friendship is great sort of moment, whatever, you know. It was just it. It hit all the marks. Again, really, really I well. think another one of those where it doesn't take itself too seriously. Like yeah. it knows it's being ridiculous. Yes, totally. And so you can sort of laugh at it, and you're meant to. Yeah, yeah. Um, like there are some like emotional moments that you're meant to laugh at, and so it, yeah, it just it it works really really well. Yeah, I also thought they did very well with the cheerleading. Like obviously they can't do that many stunts because they're like not trained cheerleaders. But compared to like something like Bendelai Beckham, where mm. They, you know, they attempted to do football on stage and it was a fucking disaster. They, you know, they had a cheerleader who came on at the end and did some actual stunts. The male cast did a lot of flips. Yeah, there were enough elements that yeah. you could see it working. Yes, that you were and it was choreographed of, very well. It was choreographed too. really well, so that when they do the nationals performance at the end and they win, you sort of like, okay, like you're not like as if that would never win nationals. Like it's very well choreographed and yeah. very well put together yeah. and very well performed. You can see elements that would have. Yes. So I thought that was great. I really, really like the Southwark Playhouse as a venue. I think it's a really good space. I don't think you could sit anywhere that's a particularly bad. No, you couldn't. View and lovely staff. Mm-hmm. Just good all round. Yeah, good all it's round. It's the first place. thing I've seen there, and I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's maybe. I was also like a little bit nervous to go because it was kind of a youth production but they were so good so i feel like it's given me more confidence to go see more stuff like this yeah like if you didn't know that it was like amateur actors yeah. i guess trained but not like not much experience that like, you wouldn't be able to i would tell. never know yeah they were fantastic right it is time for the main event we are midway through our 1970s musical decades extravaganza and we decided to do a special episode this week 
with a deep dive into one of Sondheim's, probably Sondheim's most popular musical, which is, of course, Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. So first, just to give you a very, very spoiler-heavy plot summary. So Sweeney Todd is about... Sweeney Todd. It's about a man who was recently returned to London after having been banished by an evil, corrupt judge. I don't actually know why he was banished. I mean, like, what reason the judge gave him to banish him, I can't actually remember. Anyway. Crime. Crime. Very evil judge. He probably did a minor crime, and the judge, Judge Turpin, banished Sweeney Todd because, basically, he wanted Sweeney's wife, Lucy, for himself. So Sweeney's banished, and he comes back. He meets a man called Anthony. Anthony's, like, rescued him from sea, and Anthony brings him back to London. Sweeney meets Mrs Lovett, who lives and has a pie shop below where he used to live, and they become friends. At the same time, Sweeney Todd's daughter, Joanna, is being kept, I wouldn't say hostage, but it's like a ward of the judge. Pretty much kept hostage. Pretty much kept hostage. And Anthony, the guy who saved Sweeney's life, sees Joanna singing in a window and instantly falls in love with her. What a coincidence! Because that's just what happens. He has no idea that it's Sweeney's daughter, but decides that he wants to rescue her. And then it sort of starts spiralling out of control, so... Sweeney Todd starts murdering people. He, you know, <laughs> yeah, of course. You, um, because uh, yeah, I'm doing this in sort of very weird order. He finds out that his wife is dead. He finds out that after he was banished, she took arsenic and killed herself because Judge Turpin raped her. Very, very bad. Very sad news. And he finds out that Joanna is a ward of the judge, and he hates the judge. He's very, very upset. So he goes a little bit, little bit mental, as you would if those things had happened to you, I suppose. So, yeah, he starts murdering people. He murders his, his old assistant because he threatens to blackmail him because Sweet Todd is hiding his real identity because obviously he's not allowed to be back in London because the judge will banish him again. And so he kills his old assistant. He kills the judge's servant, Beadle Bamford. He is trying to kill the judge, basically, and he nearly succeeds and then Anthony bursts in at the last moment and reveals this whole plot he has to elope with Joanna when he gets very cross he gets very very angry he decides that he's just going to keep murdering all his customers from now on and mrs lovett's like well do you know what i've got a pie shop why don't we why don't we bake them into pies nice cheap meat yeah why don't we get a fun chair where you you kill him and then we slide him down a pipe and then i just cook him and then we make them into pies and sweet todd doesn't say that's that's crazy why would we do that i'm perfectly happy to just slit their throats and then have done with it sweet todd says yeah that's that's a great idea that seems, you know, convenient for both of us. So that's what happens. They start making humans into pies. Yeah, Anthony and Joanna attempt to elope. It all gets very climactic. Towards the end, Sweeney kills this beggar woman who's been a character throughout the show and keeps hanging around and shouting at them. And at the last minute, realises that the beggar woman was his wife, who hadn't died. She'd gone a bit mental from the arsenic, but she was not dead. He's very, very sad about this. He killed Judge Turpin. That happens. Then Mrs. Lovett is like, I'm in love with you. And so he dances with her and then shoves her into a furnace. Because she knew that his wife was alive. Because she knew that his wife was alive. Not just because she's in love with him. So he kills Mrs. Lovett. And then Toby, who I haven't previously mentioned, (laughs) here he comes at the very end to kill Sweeney Todd. (laughs) A small child named Toby. Toby, who... um, was, is who was in the whole show? He's in the whole he's show. The, he's there he the whole time. is a little orphan boy who is sort of a surrogate son for Mrs. Lovett. He sees Sweeney kill her, and so he is very cross and goes a bit mad and 
kill Sweeney just as Joanna and Anthony break in to see what the fuck is going on. And that's the plot. I mean, that is the whole plot. That is plot. the entire I mean, plot. Except for the fact that we completely forgot to mention Toby. So actually, I mean, other <laughs> stuff does happen. But that's that's pretty much the Toby whole plot. Toby is quite important. He is quite a major character, but you know. And I just forgot to mention Tobias Rag. I just forgot to mention him. So the story of Sweeney Todd dates all the way back to the Victorian times. As a character, he originated in Penny Dreadfuls, which were sort of Victorian kind of popular horror stories. So the character kind of first appeared in The String of Pearls, which was a Penny Dreadful which came out in 1846. Has a lot of the same sort of plot features that the musical has and a lot of the same characters in name at least so there's mrs lovett joanna tobias he's very very old he's a very old character (laughs) very old character we've got about Mm. so the writer of that serial is unknown but obviously the story has lived on for a long time and it was actually turned into a play before the ending had even been revealed in print so because it was released in serial form um, they hadn't got to the end of the story by the time the play had come out. Sweeney Todd was very familiar to the Victorian audience and kind of played on all the public spheres of murder and cannibalism and was very kind of sensationalised and violent Very sort of nature. gothic horror. Yes. Mm. Stephen Sondheim's version of Sweeney Todd is actually based on a play by Christopher Bond, which is an adaptation of that source material from The String of Pearls, but with more of a sort of... gives Sweeney much more of, like, a psychological background and gives him much more motivation for why he does the things he does. So in The String of Pearls, uh, Sweeney Todd is really, like, purely just the villain who murders a lot of people and cooks them and feeds them to people, whereas Christopher Bond introduced this idea of Sweeney Todd as the victim of this judge who's stolen his life away from him, basically, and sort of brings in the idea of like revenge and obsession with revenge and that kind of thing. Stephen sometimes saw Christopher Bond's play at the Theatre Royal Stratford East in London in 1973 and from seeing that had the idea for a musical. The musical opened in March 1979 in New York. An interesting thing about it I think is that Hal Prince directed it. Obviously it's a very famous and long collaboration between Sondheim and Hal Prince and Hal Prince wasn't really interested in directing this until he sort of had his idea about how to look at it. So the staging of this is very sort of, it plays on the Industrial Revolution, it's like a very sparse set, sort of like looks a bit like a factory, at least it did in the original production. And Hal Prince's sort of idea, metaphor behind this was that the times, like the Victorian times and the sort of the factory and the factory life and the Industrial Revolution breeds people like Sweeney Todd so it breeds like soulless sort of hopeless people who don't really have much to live for and that's what the musical is about to him so like Sweeney Todd is sort of a product of the time whereas Sondheim felt completely differently and felt that Sweeney Todd as a character is just a man a crazed man just hell-bent on personal revenge and it's got sort of nothing to do with the fact that he lived when he did just an interesting kind of not conflict but different approach from the writer and director to the piece so in the original production, Sweeney Todd and Mrs. Lovett were played by Len Carew and Angela Lansbury. Angela. Angela. <laughs> and a lot of really great actors have taken on these roles. So um, Patty Lapone, you might, you might have heard of her. <laughs> she she played Mrs. Lovett. And um, I think we've talked before about the Michael Ball Imelda Staunton production that was on in London about five years ago now. Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson, Emma yes. Emma Thompson has played Mrs. Lovett. It's traditionally cast with kind of more classically trained singers, at least in some of the roles. The show is 
not sung through, but eighty percent of it is songs. So there's only twenty percent that's dialogue. So obviously it's it's basically heavily, sung through. Yeah, heavily it's sung. Almost sung through. Sondheim himself described the show as a black operetta. It, it has a lot of a lot more of an opera feel. And there's actually kind of the way that the kind of people of London are used is kind of like a, a sort of operatic chorus or like a kind of Greek chorus. That's a, another very kind of traditional opera motif. Yeah, I would say that there's a lot of parallels between this and other operas. And maybe opera is actually a way you're more likely to find sort of more stories that are similar in sort of the darkness mm. than musical theatre. So things like um, Benjamin Britten's Peter Grimes, you know, there's, I think, a lot more opera than uh, mm. musical theatre that is this. I was going to say bleak, but there's a lot of bleak musical theatre, but just like, you know, murder and shit. That's not so musical. I wouldn't call it an opera, though. No. I think it's got, you know, it has got a lot of parallels, like you said, with opera, but it, it feels to me sort of more traditionally like a sung through musical. It's hard to describe. It I takes us back to that opera. old thing, doesn't it, of what makes an opera an opera and a yeah. musical a musical. Yeah. And we still don't really we know. That we can't... We just don't know, We do can't we? figure it out. Maybe by the time we've... The final episode of Upstage will be us figuring it out. <laughs> it might take us we've out. We've got a definition, everybody. <laughs> yeah, we'll be like, we've solved it. <laughs> While we're on the subject of the music, let's talk about the songs. There's a lot of motifs, as with any Sunday musical that run through the show. Apparently there are about 20 that appear kind of throughout my particular favourites. I really love Ballad of Sweeney Todd. There are, I mean, there are several reprises of this, but... I just enjoy... I think it's really catchy. I think it gets stuck in my head. I think the tune is good. I think it's just... good. I also really like yeah. uh, the Joanna motif. It's I very mean, sweet. It's very sweet. And then in the line, I'll steal you, Joanna, is very creepy. Very, yeah. But the melody is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the whole love story... It's With very... Joanna is very... Like, mm, I feel like falling in love with someone through a window has... is like when you... You know when you like see someone on the tube and for like yeah. that tube journey, you're like yeah, kind of their story it's like that. Very... But he just didn't fucking stop. Their story reminds me very much of like Marius and Cosette, even though this yes. predates Slim is obviously, so it's not, it's not. But it's just like the fact that they, like she is very Cosette anyway, yeah. like in just everything, like very temperament pure, and very pure, blonde. very sweet, blonde. And just the fact that he sees her and is instantly like, well, she's the one, must marry yeah. her this week. Like it just. It's I must save her. She needs my help. She needs me. Let me help her. Um, but to be fair, she does need help. <laughs> like, she does. Like she does need to be saved. He was right, but I think that's more luck than. Um, I should have mentioned else. in my very plot spoilery summary that if Anthony doesn't marry her very quickly, then the judge, the evil judge, is planning to marry her. Which because is why that's what it's you so do, rushed. isn't it? You essentially adopt a young child, and, and then, then when she's her. old enough, you're like, I'll marry that's her. That's what Woody Allen would do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's true. WWWAD. That's <laughs> how we should all live our lives, wouldn't you say? Oh, bleak but true. <laughs> um, but yeah, Joanna, the Joanna reprise, kind of the kind of duet between Anthony and well, it's not a direct duet. It's a kind of parallel songs, but it's sung together between Sweeney and Anthony. It's beautiful. I think it's one of my favorite songs in the show. I also really like "Not While I'm Around." Yeah. Which was covered on Glee. I do like the Darren Criss version. I also like... I think The Worst Pies in London is fun and a good introduction to Mrs Lovett. I will say, and I'm going to say and this is going to be controversial. Oh, God. Here she goes. I don't think there are any particularly standout songs from this musical. In terms of, like, sort of, would I listen to any of these outside of going through the whole recording? 
probably not. Like, I agree. Like, I would maybe listen to Not While I'm Around. I would maybe listen to Joanna, because I think Joanna's very pretty. But I think because of the way that Sondheim works and the way that his score is, every song is sort of speak singing a little bit, at least in part. And so it's hard to... There aren't many standalone songs where it's just, like, a power ballad or, like, a... Yeah, but I would say that with, like, Into the Words and, to a certain extent, kind of Assassins, other shows, there's little things get stuck in my head. With this, now, granted I've only ever seen the film, so it might be different if I went to see a stage show, because I feel like that's often the case, that, like, yes. I don't really connect with something until I see it on stage. Yeah. But... I, I know, watched, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. When I was watching it in preparation for this episode... It wasn't like I finished and had songs stuck in my head and then couldn't get it out the next day. I'm just like, even Worst Pies yeah, in London, which like, I feel like... I've known the song Worst Pies in London for way longer than I've known the show Sweeney Todd. Hmm. But even with that, I genuinely don't think I could sing it accurately now. No, I think that makes sense to me. I think Not that it doesn't work. It works in the show. So yeah, it's one of the... But that's kind of... Yeah, that's where Songhai differs a good, to other. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a good People. score, but it's very sort of insular's the wrong word but it it's sort of very much like if you listen to it start to finish it tells a great story and i think it has really lovely motifs scattered throughout yeah and really lovely melodies but there aren't really any songs where i'm like that is a fantastic song that i would listen to on repeat whereas like wait for it from hamilton i would just listen to on its own like yeah. it's just a different style of writing i guess and sometimes writing is very much like you just sort of have to like get involved in the whole story or it doesn't really there's too much speaking in i think in each song to separate them from yeah. each other we should just briefly talk about the film adaptation which obviously stars the disgraced now johnny depp and mm. helena bonham carter who actually i think is pretty good in it i yeah. just love it and i think johnny depp terrible human being but good quite in good role. in this film a little bit kind of mishmash of some of his earlier roles mm. like a little bit captain jack a little bit um edward's yeah. hands a little bit of everyone yeah but Does it, it kind well? of works yeah um, I think he has a good enough voice for the score. Yeah, I think... So, obviously, they didn't go for kind of opera singers in those two, mm-hmm. or people who are kind of classically trained at all. But I think because it's a film, we can get away with kind of the creepy quietness of their voices, and they work quite well together. Also stars Alan Rickman. Does star Alan oh. Rickman. Oh, Alan Rickman. Also stars Jamie Campbell Bower, Timothy Spall, who's now. great in it. Sasha Baron Cohen as Pirelli, whose name I didn't mention at all during my plot summary, but watch he's, the film, you'll see. Yeah, he's in there. I think the film is definitely worth a watch. I think I would... Would I argue? I think I would argue that it's maybe a better adaptation of the source material than Into the Woods was, although maybe not as good a film. I don't know. Yeah, I think maybe there are moments where the film feels a little bit slow-moving in a way that it wouldn't on stage. Yeah, Um, because I think the action on stage and, like, the blood would just, like, keep you in suspense the entire time, whereas on film you're sort of a bit more removed from it and you're more used to seeing it on film. And I think that, like, the nature of a stage show is that you're used to just kind of looking at the same set, but there was something Mm. about being in the same space all the time for the film that felt... It felt very much like this should be on a stage, yes. but it is a film. But, oh, yeah, look, we're in the same room again. It's very Here we are grey. back again. Everyone's still wearing the same outfit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, this same, yeah. Oh, we're back in, still in that same room. Yep, yeah, it's great. literally two rooms here. Yeah, but I think it but is I think worth it, a watch. It is worth a watch, and I think... It's better than the Les Mis film. Look, it is better than the Les Mis film. That's true. Tim Burton, isn't it? I mean, he's... It is Tim Burton. It's a Tim Burton film. He's his fun. films are it's worth a, a watch. His exact type of niche, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there are some moments that are very, very good. So, Mm. do that. So, yeah, that's Sweeney Todd. It won 
the Tony Award for Best Musical when it opened, as well as a shit ton of others. And it won eight awards. The shit ton is the official mm. term for when you win more the than five quantity. Tonys. Yes, of course. Um, so one eight was nominated for nine, so it lost out on one because it's a loser. Um, it also <laughs> won the Best Musical at the Olivier Awards. It was nominated for 13 Drama Desk Awards, which won nine. Um, it didn't have a particularly long initial Broadway run, but... Its uh, legacy since has sort of made up for it, I suppose. Yeah. And I think it is, just by its nature, the sort of show that isn't going to necessarily appeal to everyone. True. Um, because not everyone loves singing murderers. But yeah. if you do, then Sweeney Todd is for you. Yeah. Ball bulletin. I don't think he's doing anything, to be honest. No, it's just he's living his life. Any other business? I have a book recommendation. I never recommend books. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in with a book. I finished this week. I finally got round to reading Home Fire by Camilla Shamsi. Ooh. Which is very good. I really want to read it. It's like... It's a modern retelling, apparently, of Antigone, but I couldn't tell you what Antigone's about, so I can't tell you if she did that accurately, (laughs) but I can tell you it's a very good book. It's about a British Muslim family, and it's kind of written from the perspective of different siblings and other people they come in contact with, different sections. It's, It's just a very captivating read. Lots of twists and turns, lots of... It just it made me really think about certain things differently, so... It is well worth a read. That's Home Fire, Camilla Shamsi. I would really like to read that. I can lend you a copy. Thank you very much. I have no book updates, no podcast updates, but we did finish Sharp Objects. It's still on Now TV if you want to watch it. The ending is like, I'm both annoyed at it because I can't believe, like, I'm annoyed at how good it was because I'm like, I can't believe they had the audacity to end it how they did. But it's also a very, very good ending if you can avoid plot spoilers until you've watched it definitely do because it's very good and i'm also enjoying bodyguard which is a new bbc drama starring richard madden and, and his Keely lovely Gord. scottish accent it's very tense and good i'm enjoying it so far but you said very in a slightly scottish accent very tense and episode two was very dramatic i need to watch episode two yes. i watched episode one episode one was very good mm-hmm that is it for this week hope you enjoyed our special Sweeney Todd episode next week we'll be back with the last of the 1970s still some good shows to talk about including Greece. so join us then thank you very much for listening thank you and we'll see you next week goodbye bye